a uh, chapter closing, eh? Eh? We just, a bunch of us just, no, no, we just hung out with a bunch of Saskatchewanese and, you know, you pick that up after a while. Hi. It looks like this is going to be fun this morning because I don't, have we got good visual too? Audio-visual stuff going to work? All right, uh, this is a chapter that's coming to an end. Uh, Beth and I have learned that there is something more coming. It's just hanging out in this sort of literal zone. You know, the, the zone between high tide and low, low tide? You're just hanging out in there. You know something's coming like high tide's coming. So it's an interesting time. Um, I spent Friday cleaning out the office, which was sad. Up over my uh, doorway, if you ever happen to come in, there's a bumper sticker that some kids up in Portland brought back from, I think it was Jesus Northwest. And the bumper sticker reads, and I leave this to you, is something to ponder. Live so that the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> so that's a good word to all of us, eh? As we move on into this um, area in our life, you know, a lot of you guys, probably just about everybody has email, you're texting, and, you know, the younger folk amongst us have all kinds of acronyms for different things. And I just happened to fall upon the acronyms that some seniors have hap happened to develop, and I thought you might enjoy them. First of all is ATD. Anybody know what ATD means? Remember the people we're talking about? At the doctors. <laughs> BFF. Best Fen Fell. BTW, we all know BTW, right, by the way? Well, there's another one out there, so think about who it is that's texting you. Bring the wheelchair. <laughs> another one that not everybody would get is GG, PBL. This is sort of like following somebody in a car, and you see these things on their license, you know, the vanity plates trying to figure out. You could spend hours just trying to figure out what this is. GG, PBL, got to go. Pacemaker battery low. <laughs> then R-O-F-L-A-C-G-U. Never figure this one out. R-O-F-L-A-C-G-U. Rolling on the floor, laughing, and can't get up. <laughs> that may be me before the morning's up. Then there's the good old F-W-I-W. -W. Forgot where I was. Well, enough of that. I'd like us to take a look this morning at Philippians 1, and I'll read to you Philippians 1 through, where do we go, through 11, and then we'll open with a bit of prayer. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for y'all, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about y'all, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, you all share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for y'all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? And this is our prayer, Lord, that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, that we be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, I'd ask that each one of us now would be filled, refilled by your Holy Spirit. May your gifts be stirred and evident amongst us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You know, when I first looked at this, I couldn't believe it. But it appears that Paul is a southern gentleman. You heard the you alls. It's four times he came out with y'all. Well, really can't get that confirmed other than he was supposedly born in Tarsus, which is in southern Turkey. So he was a southern gentleman. He mentions, uh, Paul mentions that, that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1.11. If you take a look at James 3.18, excuse me, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then if you remember Jesus' words in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons of God. Paul spoke of good work in verse 6. He again speaks of good work in Colossians 1.11, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all power according to all steadfastness and patience. This morning I want us to land on verse 6 of chapter 1 of Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. I don't know about you, but there are times when I go into a church, not this church, of course, but there are times when I go into church and the preacher is talking on and on, and I just wish I knew what the point was that he was getting at. What's the takeaway? What's the bottom line? I want you to hear this from me now, because if you fall asleep for the rest of the morning, at least you can take this away. You, my brothers and sisters, my brethren in Christ, began a good work. Do not forsake from your role in carrying it to completion. 
for you have a role and a calling in partnership with the Almighty, who can do anything in you through Christ. That role and that calling involves a worthy walk, an ever-increasing knowledge of God, not only in reading His Word, but in your deepened relationship, your deepened personal relationship, your deepened prayer time with the God of this universe and of all universes, the Almighty. Strengthening of His empowerment, steadfastness, and patience. That's the takeaway. You've started a good work by your partnership with God, carry it on. I wanted to reflect back in terms of what brought Beth and I here. Um, about eight years ago, we were living in Thousand Oaks, Moore Park, and Beth was busy teaching ESL and doing some real estate. I was at Fuller Seminary. I had the best job in the whole seminary system because I didn't fall under any faculty governance. Faculty couldn't come to me and say, you can't do this or you can't do that, where everything else that goes on in the seminary has to be approved by faculty. The only, the only caveat I had was the president came to me one day and he said, just give me a heads up before I get my first call. <laughs> it's fun got involved with helping churches, mainly pastors, pastors that not only uh, graduated out of Fuller, but also pastors that were sort of friends to Fuller. It was a non-denominational seminary, which made it a lot of fun because we could go into just about every church we wanted to, including some evangelical Catholic churches, and, and we would be accepted there. I was doing things in terms of designing and creating um, continuing education events, uh, things to help strengthen the church, things to help the church look at itself to be strengthened. We had the joy of introducing Alpha to the West Coast, everything west of the Rockies plus Chicago. It was a good time. And then somebody came on the scene about 18 months uh, before I left with a prophetic word to the church. It was to challenge churches to Christ in, to bring us into the world by shifting our emphasis towards missional living and away from clubhouse activities. Um, the Lord took my heart and buried it in that concern. There are three people, maybe four, not maybe four, three people and a fourth, that fourth is sig really significant, who've been an influence on my life. You will see them via video before, before the morning's out. Uh, Kurt Fredrickson, he's a mutual friend of arts and minds. He was senior pastor at Simi Valley Covenant for a number of years and then came to Fuller as the director of, of uh, the doctor ministry program. Kurt and I would get there early in the morning and sit down and have coffee just about every morning talking about where the church was and where we dreamt about where the church could be. Then a guy came on the scene by the name of Reggie McNeil. Some of you have met him. He is a, he is a, a Southern Baptist pastor. He was head of uh, leadership development in South Carolina. He now works for Leadership Network. He was carrying the prophetic voice of 
the church needs to get out into the community. We need to obey what God has said in terms of go ye. Another guy shows up. There was a lot of fun. His name's Alan Hirsch. He co-wrote a number of books uh, with Michael Frost, and uh, he is an Australian, but he was even a little bit more on the cutting edge in terms of what we had to do. As I was going through the... You're going to see a bleak side of my, my life here in a minute. As I was going through looking at these guys, I'm looking at... Kurt and I used to go out for an ale every now and then. Reggie McNeil and I would go out for an ale every now and then. Alan Hirsch, when he came to Fuller, um, right after he had written his first book, we put on a workshop on the second floor of a pub, and it was so much fun. So I'm not too sure whether I should have told you all that, but hey. The fourth, per fourth person that I mentioned that is and has been significant in my life for 47 years of marriage and 54 years or 55 years of relationship is Beth. Beth is a significant, voracious, and consuming reader. I would, while I was at Fuller, come home, oh, there's a new book by some guy named McLaren. Beth, would you read it and tell me what's in there and is it something we need to look at? And Reggie, she read all of Reggie's books before I got into him. And she has been such a big help. But that which drove me to action was the workshops that, that we had throughout the West Coast um, and Mid-America with Reggie. We had thousands of people come, mostly pastors, mostly uh, leaders within the church. And every one of the pastors, every single pastor, when we got through talking, said, yeah, that's what I was born to do, take the church into mission. That's what I want to do but I can't. And the can't was based on I've got to go back home and I've got to keep the church afloat. Mm. Oh. That bothered me and kept bothering me. You know, Lord, why are we doing this? If everybody that's listening to this is saying, yeah, that's who I'm supposed to be, but I can't. And so then I started pondering, well, Lord, is there something that you want me to learn that perhaps can come alongside of churches and help them move, even if it's very small incremental steps towards missional living. Art and I have been friends for some time. He and I were involved with the, the first Alpha course that we did in Santa Barbara. Was it a Covenant Church in Montecito? And then he and I got involved on some national uh, committees in, in Alpha. So. I'm going to put him on the spot for a minute. He and I used to be in the airport as we were leaving these meetings. Don't say it. Okay, I won't say it. But he likes ale as much as I do. <laughs> so, so along comes all this twirling that's going on in my mind. And uh, Art comes along. And in one of our discussions, we start talking about, well, what if we did something together like that? And thanks to Art, thanks to the leadership team of this church, um, I was asked to come on up and be on staff for outreach pastor. Thank you, Art. And those of you that were part of the search committee and part of the leadership team, thank you. 
This has been a trying but a tremendously exhilarating time for me. We have seen so much, but that's, I'm, I'm going too far because I want to show you some of the things that we've seen. I don't have any idea how much time I'm consuming up here. So somebody needs to get the shepherd's crook out. <laughs> um, we can go through scripture and look at what really breaks the heart of God. But I'll go through it. I'll go quickly right to Jesus' words. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Truly, I say to you, to the extent, the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. He's calling us to visit orphans, widows in their affliction, to help those who are hungry, the poor, those without clothing, the needy, strangers. And when you and I do that, I'm convinced he leans over in his seat in heaven and smiles. We, by faith, stepped out to do some of those things outside of the confines of this marvelous church, of this physical location. When I got here, there had been some people who have been very, very faithful in terms of working at Homeward Bound. If you don't know what Homeward Bound is, it is an organization that helps people as they might come out of the street and try to find some worth in themselves, get back up on their feet, find jobs for them, find housing for them. We also got involved, again, through my significant other <laughs> at the Ritter Center. Ritter Center is an organization downtown who helps doing the same thing. Uh, homeless people can come in off the street, get showers, get their clothes washed. They can have some medical needs taken care of. There are even uh, computers down there they can look for work. And then come late in the summer, you may start to hear the clacking and clicking of needles. For many of you have helped put together scarves that are given away at Ritterhouse's Christmas party. Would all of you who've been involved with Homeward Bound Ritter Center and Knitting Scars. Would you stand for a second? I just want you to see some of the people that have stepped out in that area. Thank you. We got involved with Soup Night. And I think we have a picture up there, which I smuggled out because I wasn't supposed to take a picture, but I got it. I'll tell you one story. Uh, that happened in soup night. A family from this church went down. They, had, they have children. And I saw the mom standing in the corner in sort of what was the back room. If you've been there at all, there was a room in which the desserts and coffee and all that stuff was. And she's standing there looking and musing over a situation. So I just went over and I, how are you doing? Fine. Uh, what do you think of this? Oh, this is great, Peter. And I said, well, what's going on in your mind? 
And she says, there were two women over there. At first, they seemed to be friendly, but then I could see some tension rise up. And one of them started to get belligerent. I'm asking the Lord what I should do. And so I went over and I gave a hug to the woman that was most belligerent. And she melted in my arms, Peter. There are so many people out there that if we could just listen to their story and give them a hug, we'd give them an opportunity to stand up and shake some of that stuff off and move closer to a life that God has called them to. Jeff Nichols is the guy who got us involved in um, soup night. Jeff was going to be here this morning, but something came up. It's been an interesting week preceding this, um, but something has come up. And so I asked Jeff if he would come via video for a moment and just say a word or two to us. Jeff is a, a vineyard pastor, but he's bivocational. He, you'll see him. He's in his factory. He, no, I don't need to go in that. Okay, can I have you play Jeff? I'm sorry I couldn't be with you personally. Sorry I couldn't today. be with you personally today, but I would like to share with you some observations about Soup Night and specifically the involvement that Marine Covenant had uh, on Thursday evenings. Uh, Soup Night is an interesting experience because it's the blending of those of us that certainly have plenty with those who don't. And we don't uh, have soup night for the purpose of serving ourselves. It's to challenge us to kind of step outside of our comfort zone and serve someone who really can't give anything back to us. And in fact, it's interesting, Jesus told us, didn't he, that we should learn to actually throw feasts for those who can't in turn do something back for us. And the change in our own hearts that occurs when we serve others is quite amazing. Often we're frightened at first, and then we step into the water, so to speak, ankle deep, and then we discover that those folks are really just like us. They just have less than we have, but they have the same dream, same hope. Serve people like that. Jesus is pleased. And he actually said to us that when we serve people, we're actually serving him. And that's a really good thing. A real good thing. All right, I think I need to step up my pace. <laughs> right, Todd. Um, Mexico mission trips. We just came back from a trip. Um, I want to show you a couple of things here, and then we need to move on. Uh, this is, we were somewhere around Pasadena. And this is our team going down, uh, save one. And this is a lady who we got connected with who is a toy designer for an international uh, toy company. And she had put together toys for all the orphans in the mission as we went down. And now if I can see the next slide. And this is the team down there now. You may, you may see that there's one person that really doesn't look like he fits in our team. There were three Samoans, Samoans who are part of YWAM. They're in Saskatchewan, and Beth and I love Samoans. They're, their veneer is so thin, you scratch just a little bit, and what's underneath is filled with joy and love and peace and happiness. 
Uh, and there's somebody else that snuck in here. I'm not too sure who she was. Um, we, we can set up a time that we can have people talk about what went on down there, but I think I need to press on. Um, there's a book I would encourage you to get, and I'm not sure what you've heard about Pope Francis, the new pope, but if you've read some of the things that's out in the news, if your heart's like mine, it went, oh my gosh, this is good. I'd recommend this book to you. It's The Joy of the Gospel. I think it's the first one he's written in English. There's a lot out there in Spanish. Uh, but I would, I would encourage you to do that. Um, he says in there, at the very heart of the gospel is life in community and engagement with others, a life centered in charity. And I would encourage each one of us to step out of our comfort zones and get into a community that uh, you can be Christ in the middle of. I can't tell you how much joy it is for me this morning to introduce to you this next lady. Um, I think of all the things that we've done in terms of outreach here has been a result of the fruit of righteousness. She didn't know I was going to say this the fruit of righteousness that has come through this lady. Let me introduce to you Sharla Perot. Sharla is the founder of Foundations for His Ministry, and she is just a remarkable lady. As I say, it's been, let's see if that is the right height. I think I can bring, how's that? About like, that's fine. Yesterday, just to show you this lady's heart, Sure, sure. Charlotte's 82 years old. Charlotte heard from the Lord, heard voices of children singing, uh, and that caused her, in her obedience, to start working through miracle after miracle after miracle in her life and just setting up this mission. We were, we've been having trouble with the video and getting people to come here yesterday we found out mid-morning that her flight had been canceled. And so we chatted a little bit, and she was going back to the to phone and call Southwest and see if they can do it. And then this is what she said to me, give you a little bit of her heart. Then she says to me, well, if I can't do that, I'll drive up. She lives in Orange County. So, Charla, help us out a little bit. When these guys show up after going through military checkpoints and all this other stuff and customs and dusty roads and come down to the mission. What good's all that? There's a sign in, uh, at the mission in the Baja Peninsula, one of our five missions, and it says, you'll never be the same. And uh, our 2,000 visitors every year usually go off and say, yes, we'll never be the same as they poured out their lives as a drink offering to the Lord in service they go home and their lives are changed we need another sign in the kitchen that says we'll never be the same because of people like you who come to see what God is doing by the Holy Spirit in Mexico and beyond uh, they all our buildings 
that have been built in this multifaceted mission have been built by volunteers. All our support comes from volunteers. Our staff is built up and cheered up and stirred up by volunteers. Thank you for coming in Jesus' name. You have blessed us beyond measure. As I came from the airport yesterday, I realized I hadn't been to the Bay Area since 1945. That's before most of you were born. And it was an incredible trip down memory lane. Uh, originally, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I'm the youngest of eight from a Roman Catholic family. My dad was Irish Catholic and an alcoholic. They somehow go together frequently. And uh, when I heard about all of this ale drinking, my, my mind went back. The second AA group that was ever formed met in our living room in Detroit, Michigan. My dad, who was an alcoholic, went down to Akron, Ohio, met a guy named Bill and another named Bob, and found out their lives had been transformed through a program, a 12-step program. And, and my dad invited him to our home, and the second AA group was born in our home in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, just close to the end of World War II, my dad moved to work in, um, uh, uh, we lived in Richmond and, and uh, uh, where they were building ships. Um, anyway, one of those little places near Richmond. And, uh, 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 you know, almost had it. But anyway, my dad moved there. And uh, just before the war was over, and, and one night on a cold night in Richmond, California, I was coming home from a girlfriend's house, and it was Sunday night. Of course, I was Catholic. I didn't know they had church on a Sunday night. And it was cold, whether you know it or not. For people who live in Southern California, it's cold up here. And uh, I saw a little church with a light on, and I didn't know they had church services on Sunday night. And I thought, well, I'll just step into the narthex and get warm. Only this little church didn't have a narthex or a vestibule. I stepped in the door. The guy shoves a hymn book into my hand, and I didn't even know what that was. And because it was a Baptist church, the only seats available were in the front row. And so... <laughs> He takes me up to the front row, and I'm wondering how in the world I got into this mess, and my parents were expecting me, and here I'm in some church that was totally foreign to me, and then the pastor got up and preached a message that I'd never heard. It was on the unconditional love of God, that God loved me just like I was. It wasn't a matter of being good or bad or how often I went to confession or how many rosaries I said that he loved me unconditionally. And the love of God came over me in such a dynamic way, I was transformed. I was probably born again, except I didn't know that term. And went forward to that little altar and knew that life was going to be with new meaning and richness. And I ran home through the night, uh, came into my home, and my parents were anxiously waiting, wonder where I was. And I remember saying to my dad, Daddy, I want to do great things for God. And my dad said, what? And he put his glasses up on his forehead, 
And uh, he said, what? And my dad was Roman Catholic. And I said, Daddy, I want to do great things for God. And he said, Charlotte Joanne, what could you do for God Almighty? He does not need your help. And uh, I couldn't describe what this passion, and my mom came from the kitchen, and I said the same thing to my mother, and I said, Mother, I want to do great things for God. And she said to me, well, start by making your bed. <laughs> and so like a mother. And uh, anyway, the next morning, uh, I'm sure my parents wondered what in the world had happened to me. The next morning, my mother said something that at the time seemed very simplistic. But she said, do the kindest thing you can do today, and you'll always be in the center of God's will. Do the kindest thing you can do today, and you'll always be in the center of God's will. Uh, after the war, my uh, parents moved to the San Fernando Valley, and I went from church to church trying to find a place where I could experience that amazing love of God, which is so transforming. And as I went from church to church, a girlfriend invited me to a Lutheran church, and in front of this Lutheran church was the best-looking guy I ever saw in my whole life. And I decided to be a Lutheran. <laughs> anyway, I, I uh, married that guy uh, 64 years ago and uh, found out that guy was headed for the Lutheran Bible Institute, Seattle, Washington. And, and uh, there we had another encounter that made a, a difference in our lives by a pastor who taught us a simple little song. And uh, although I don't, he didn't have a great voice, nor do I, but the words go like this. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. May I humbly do my part to win that soul for thee. Became my theme song, it came my prayer. And each morning as I wake, I, I sing to God that simple song. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. May I humbly do my part to win that soul for thee. Our journey led us to the Baja Peninsula, where God gave us a vision. Started at a garbage dump, mm -hmm. where I could see the skyline of San Diego. I didn't know people lived in garbage dumps. But at that garbage dump, I recommitted my life to the Lord Jesus mm -hmm. to make a difference. Thank you for being part of this mission in Mexico. You are loved and you have blessed us beyond measure. Amen. Thank you.
Well, typical of the way I do to-do lists, there's too much on my to-do list to get done. So I'm going to pass through the whole talk about Hamilton School. You've heard a lot about it, and perhaps we'll be able to chat a little bit later uh, this morning. Sharla will be available out in the foyer, and she'll also be in the class over in RNPI for a little bit on the start of the next service if you want to hear more about who she is and what the Lord has done through her. I hope you realize that what the Lord has done through Sharla is available for each one of us when we sort of let go of control on our lives and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Let my ears hear your voice. Let my eyes see what you want for me and give me the strength. A woman who would drive up from Orange County just to be here with us. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about is open table. Um, open table, this was the first open table that we had. Open table is set on the premise that somebody, man or woman, wants to get out of where she is in life and to be able to step up and to be more fruitful. Um, and what happens then are a dozen people come around this person. Uh, this was our first table. And if I have my handy-dandy little pointer. Uh, we have with us this morning Mandy. Here is Mandy. She was our first sister. And this is Mandy's daughter, Ariana. So Mandy and Beth, if you would come, please. And I've asked... And I hate to do this to you guys, but you need to be eloquent, brief, <laughs> besides being very beautiful, both of you. Um, I asked Mandy, what's the difference? What, what, what has she seen as a result of, quite frankly, the commitment of you in her life? Hmm? That's the first question, Mandy. <laughs> what did you see the table doing? And other people that came on the table vicariously, like the dentist and all those things. Um, we... That wasn't the question I was prepared to okay, answer. Okay, well, <laughs> answer the question you prepared to answer. Um, well, one of the questions that Peter uh, sent over to me was how my life has changed in the past two years since I was on the open table. And I have one brief example that I wanted to share that is really made a huge impact in my life. Um, two plus years ago, there were so many times that I would sit down in despair and I would take out my phone and I would browse through the contacts list and looking for someone that I could just call to reach out to. And I had no one. I didn't have anybody I could call. I was alone, and I would cry. And I didn't know how I could change that. And after the open table now today, I have so many people in my contacts list, I can barely keep up with them. And there's been so much love from this church, not just people from the table, but other people that I've met through them um, that really have given me this family that I didn't have before. And my daughter has also benefited from this family, and we just have felt so much love through this congregation, and we are so grateful and so blessed. Okay. 
And seeing we're keeping it short, I just wanted to say one thing. Mandy started off, she was in community college, and now she's at Dominican, and she's a junior there. She's on the, what are you on, the council? Uh, ASDU, Associated Students for Dominican University. And she's gone on a mission trip down to El Salvador, and she's just, I just, she's got good friends, and she's just blossoming. I, everything's not perfect yet, but we're on the way, right? <laughs> and the open table, I just wanted to say something about that. It's really watching the body of Christ work together because everybody on there had different gifts. If you have just one mentor, the mentor can't do everything, but when you have a whole table, there are different people that can share those, and it's really watching the body of Christ work together, which was wonderful. Yeah, and Ariana's doing well too, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, guys. My picture that I remember in terms of being on that open table was one of the things that whoever the person is, the brother or sister that's coming on the table, has to create a life plan. That's about 75 things that they would like to have happen in the year that we're with them. And you segregate them. So you've got a high priority uh, and then mid-priority. And to walk in one night as we went over that plan, and it must have been maybe two and a half, three and a half months into it, and Mandy's there saying, oh, that's done. That's done. Oh, that's done. That's so much joy and hope to see that 12 folks can come alongside with their relationships and help a young woman who is a single mom trying to get through this world help her step out of that point of poverty and be able to go on from there. Yeah, it's wonderful stuff. All right, I've got two videos I'm going to show you. Uh, they're really quick, and then we'll go. There's a lot of people I haven't mentioned that I wanted to this morning. Uh, but we just haven't had time. But I want, to, I want to leave you again with this. This is the takeaway that you have begun a good work. Do not forsake from your role in carrying it to completion, please. Uh, the first video, I think, is Kurt Fredrickson, who was going to be here, but he had to go to Egypt. You know, go figure. And then Reggie McNeil, who just got back from being away for several weeks and is a good old southern y'all boy, but he's home with his wife. Could you play those two, one right after the other? Churches all around North America are discovering that it's not enough to just attract people into a congregational setting, but churches have the marvelous opportunity as well as responsibility to take the good news of Jesus Christ out to the streets, to impact their neighborhoods and do good in Jesus' name there. That's what my friend Peter Batchelder has been about both at Fuller Theological Seminary where I met Peter and most recently at Marin Covenant Church. Taking the gospel to the streets is harder work, it is messy work, it is demanding work. But that is what has inspired Peter and has inspired others, church leaders around the country, as well as at Marin Covenant. Peter, thank you for your friendship, for your good work. Uh, I value who you are and what you do and blessings as you are a part of your new adventure. 
Peter and the good folks at Moran. Greetings, Reggie McNeil here, and I'm very glad, Peter, that you and Beth are have been surrounded by great followers that have been able to take your lead in helping this missional conversation and this missional movement take root there at Marin. You've been an early champion, an early adopter. That's what it takes to get this kind of stuff done. And now to those who have been following your leadership, I would say keep on, push on. There are people that need the abundant life that Jesus has for them. They need to be able to read. They need to be able to have food. They need to be able to have jobs. They need the blessings of Marin Covenant Church there. So go after it, get after it. Don't go back, push forward. Way to go, Peter. Way to go, Marin. Keep going. Where's Michael? Um, as Michael comes and uh, we're gonna be introduced to a new song, I wanted, to, I wanted to say something when I talked about Hamilton and I feel an urgency to do it now. I was told the guys not to tape this, but I really didn't mean it, but I wanted to get your attention. The father of lies has us and has people in the culture fooled about this church and state separation. It's all about relationships. Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with the father through him. He died so that you and I could have a relationship. Over the past six years, five and a half, six years that we've been with Hamilton, the relationship continues to deepen. We take the principal to Mexico on a mission trip, twice. Still not a believer, he doesn't go to church, but he knows something's going on, and there's something happening in the heavenlies between the Holy Spirit and him, and I will rejoice. I do rejoice at what's happening now, and will rejoice as the angels rejoice in heaven when Steve comes to know Christ. So I asked Michael if he could teach us this song because it is a befitting one for us to be singing. In fact, maybe we could all stand together as we uh, prepare to end our gathering. He who began a good work in you He who began a good work in you Will be faithful to complete it will be faithful to complete it he who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you now will you receive this benediction may the god of this universe our father and creator by his presence fill you with his love may his only begotten son jesus by his grace offer you forgiveness for your sin and transgression, and may his Holy Spirit, the helper, by his power guide you into truth and empower and gift you for his ministry through you. And may kingdom life abound in you. In the name of Jesus, amen.